Please stand for the call to worship. We come to hear the story of God's faithfulness to past generations. But we are looking to the future, not the past. Our God is also a God of the future. The God who was with our ancestors will be with us as well. Then we can go forth in hope. Whatever else fails, God remains faithful. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Praise be to God.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church. As we gather here today, we gather to worship the one true and living God. And, and as we do, we welcome those who come into this church, those who are members. We welcome those who are our guests. And we also welcome those who may have been away for a while or maybe this is your first time here. We are delighted that we're all able to gather together in this place, to, in this place that is dedicated to the worship of our Lord and Savior. So as we gather today, we do so with hearts that are warmed by the fellowship we experience, by the presence of God with us, a reminder that we who are called to be in this place to build an inclusive community of grace by welcoming those in, whoever they are, wherever they come from, that we fulfill that mission each day as we speak kindly and lovingly to all those who may come into our presence. We are a church here in the heart of Five Point South, and there's a great deal of diversity here among us. As you look around, you see that. And it is truly, a, I believe, uh, our, our mission to be reflective of that community in which we are placed, which we're eagerly trying to minister in the Lord's name. So today, as we gather, I would like to ask you to fill out the registration tablet at the end of each pew, if you would uh, do that for us at some point during worship. And let us know that you're here, and if there's any change of address or other information you could share with us, we would be delighted to have that. And um, also, we want to take a moment to greet those, each other, in the name of Christ, by passing the peace of Christ. So if you would, take just a moment to speak to those close to you. You may have to travel a little ways today uh, to get to those, but still, if you would do so. As you make your way back to your place and after greeting those that um, worship with you each week, you'll notice there's a, a little bit different setup up front uh, with the uh, chancel furniture here with the pulpit and the chairs and the piano uh, here to my right. And it is there for a good reason. This afternoon, there will be a concert at four o'clock, Birmingham Boys Choir. We'll be uh, performing a concert here in the sanctuary along with uh, our featured vocalist, uh, Wanda Banks, who uh, is also has some family up here in the, in the choir loft with us uh, today. But we are uh, delighted that they will be here today. And so they will be coming in right after worship today to make their final arrangements for the concert today at four. And I uh, hope that you will be able to be back and be present for that today. As we continue in our time of worship, will you bow with me in prayer? Loving Lord, into your presence we come. We gather here knowing that you're always with us, wherever we go, whoever we encounter. We know that your spirit prepares the way, that you nurture us and guide us and in times of worship, you 
have cultivated our own hearts to the place that we would be receptive to your words. I pray, O oh Lord, today as we hear the word through song and through the spoken word, through scripture that's read, that it would fall on fertile soil, that it might take root and grow, and we might be able to live, to live our faith daily in accordance to the calling you've placed upon us. May we worship you now, O Lord, in spirit and in truth. It's in your name I pray. Amen. lesson this morning. Just want to squash any rumors that I'm going to sit at the piano and sing and preach from there this morning. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Our lesson this morning is from the prophet Hosea, the 11th chapter, and reading the first eight verses. Hear the word of the Lord. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my child, my son, the more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took him up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I, I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them 
and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities, it consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the most high they call, but he does not raise them up at all. Oh, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. second reading today is found in Paul's letter to the Romans, the 8th chapter, be reading verses 35 through 39. And as this is read, if you would stand for the hearing of the word. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
Boy's got a double blessing this morning. <laughs> you probably noticed the theme of our service introduced by the introit, and we'll have an anthem as well this morning is O Love That Will Not Let Me Go from the hymn of George Matheson. 
Our final hymn, the first verse says, How wide the love of Christ. It knows not class or race, but holds our one humanity within its broad embrace. This is a God to whom we come, a God who embraces. Will you pray with me? God of grace, we are conscious this morning that we did not come towards you first of all, but that you took the first step and came to us in creation and incarnation. You came in the person of your son to live among us, to speak, to include, to welcome, embrace, to teach, to challenge, and to die and rise again. And so we come to you this morning in prayer and intercession for our world, recognizing that you first came to embrace us and bring us into your eternal kingdom. We thank you that in a world of exclusion, you have come to embrace the alien and the stranger. And we come to pray for our needy world, for broken hopes and broken people, for ourselves, for our nation, that we may live to honor you to become good, to be a city set on a hill which radiates your light of mercy and grace. And so we come and pray for your church, not only in our country, but throughout the world. We pray for those who are honored and persecuted in different places according to their faith. We pray that in whatever struggles they have, they may know your living presence to be with them, encouraging them, and to know the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We pray that you would bless those in developing nations we pray that you would help their children to grow in peace and prosperity with open doors to advancement without threat of violence and abuse, slavery or oppression. We pray for your blessing upon all who seek to exercise grace and charity towards others, for non-profits and missions, for all who work in practical down-to-earth ways to bless others, to bring dignity into their lives. We pray and remember especially those which operate their activities out of our own buildings here at Southside. We pray for those who are close to us, who are not well, that they may know your healing hand upon them. We pray for those who are bereaved, that they may know your comforting presence with them. We pray for all who are lonely, that they may find the peace and the fellowship and the caring of the Christian community. We pray for any who are in addiction, that they may find triumph over their issues. We pray for all who are in hurting, painful, struggling relationships, that they would know love that would enable reconciliation. We pray for the unemployed, that they may find work and hope. And we pray for all who are involved within our community and service, whether in the defense of our nation, guarding our streets, caring for people. We pray that you would grant wisdom, compassion, fortitude in fully filling their duties. Lord, we live in such a needy world and we bring our own needs before you because we recognize that we need to progress and grow in grace and love and mercy towards others. O oh Lord, hear our prayer, all our prayers as we offer them, those prayed publicly and those that come from the depths of our hearts. We offer them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray with confidence, saying, 
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
youngest grandchild, Daniel Thomas, last summer took to my beard. When I arrived in Scotland and the family saw it, uh, our oldest granddaughter, Charlize, kind of looked with a kind of incomprehension that I could do such a thing and took some time to like it. But Daniel Thomas liked it a lot. He would sit on my knee, he would take his fingers and he would go through it. And then occasionally he would sit there and he would bring his cheek up to my cheek. There's an amazing verse in Hosea chapter 11 where God speaks about his concern and his love towards his people, the people who have turned their back on him. And he says, I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift their infants to their cheeks. To describe and understand the depths of the love of God is beyond our human language, but as I say to students, we've only got human words, human metaphors, human language to use. And we stretch our imaginations to try and understand the grace and mercy and love of God towards us. O love that will not let me go, written by George Matheson, Presbyterian minister in the west coast of Scotland. He tells of how one evening he wrote this hymn, this poem, within five minutes, so he says. <laughs> he hardly had to think about what he was writing. He says, all must came to him as dictated, and he wrote it down. What an amazing hymn to hear sung to us this morning, trying to plumb something of the depth of the mystery of the love of God in all its length and breadth and height and depth. Oh, love that will not let me go. Often we think that to understand the love of God, we should go always to the New Testament. But the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, which is the foundation of the faith of the Jewish people and also of the Christian church, does not think about God primarily as a God of anger and wrath and revenge. It's often the picture that people paint of the God of the Hebrew Bible, but not so. There are so many passages, like the whole book of Hosea, where God is using a variety of different images and metaphors to describe his love for Israel in the 8th century BCE, but also of his love in Jesus Christ for each and every one of us. In the book of Hosea, there are two striking images, one that often takes prominence because of Hosea's experience. It's the image of God as a spouse, of God who marries Israel, who draws Israel close in a relationship of faithfulness. But Israel is unfaithful. And, and the image we have is that in the strange story of the prophet Hosea, who is asked to marry somebody called Gomer, who eventually leaves Hosea and she loves another person. And in the first few chapters of Hosea, you, you begin to recognize the pain of Hosea, which is mirroring the pain of God towards his spouse, towards Israel. And indeed, in the third chapter, where a child is born to Gomer, this is before Gomer leaves Hosea, they give the name to this child, Not Mine. Imagine growing up with that kind of title. It's almost as if Hosea thinks, this is not mine. Whether that's the actual title that's given to the child, I hope not. 
What a way to grow up in your life. But that's the picture that is painted, that Israel, who are married to God, have been faithless to him. And yet God says to Hosea, I want to give an illustration of the way in which I love my spouse. And I will not give up on Israel, even though they have been unfaithful. So he says to Hosea, go, love a woman who is a, a lover and is an adulteress. Love her just as the Lord loves the people of Israel. Hosea and the prophecy of Hosea is a book that speaks to us of the relentless nature of the love of God, which never gives up. Even when we forget and turn our backs on him, he comes in our darkest moments and we remind ourselves of love that will not let us go. We rest our weary souls on thee. Now sometimes it's because we ourselves are aware of issues in our lives where we're not living the life that we want to live, the life that we should live. And there are other times it's because of things that happen in the small world of our community and the larger world that we live in in our country. And we wonder, where is the love of God being seen at this moment in time? The second metaphor that we find in Hosea chapter 11 is different but equally incredible. It's a metaphor that is of family life, but this time not of a spouse, but rather of parenting. And it's a metaphor that's also full of power and poignancy. Walter Brueggemann, the Old Testament scholar, says, Hosea 11 is among the most remarkable oracles in the entire prophetic literature. Another Old Testament scholar, H.D. Beebe, says, in this chapter we penetrate deeper into the heart and mind of God than anywhere else in the Hebrew Bible. Here we find the innermost nature of God, a God of grace. Hosea 11 tells a story of God being a parent and a son called Israel, a son that has been faithless, a son that God called and brought out of Egypt into the land of Canaan as an act of love, establishing a relationship that looked for response, that looked for honor and obedience, respect. But Israel, in its history, in the Hebrew Bible, is one of a wayward child. Despite the nurturing, the attention, the loving care of a parent who's faithful, they do not know the Lord. The parental image is powerful in this passage because it's very unusual. Older commentators used to say that the picture here is, is of a parent as a father, but if you read the, the text carefully, that's not the case. The portrayal almost certainly here is that of a loving mother, a nursing mother. A translation that I've already given you of verse 4 speaks about the God who lifts infants to their cheeks, who bends down to them and feeds them. The passage is trying to impress upon us the nature of the love of God by using human analogy. This is strange in a patriarchal society of Israel where on about 75% of occasions in the Old Testament, the pictures of God are patriarchal. And if God is described as a loving parent, then the metaphor that's used is that of a father. But on other occasions, the metaphor is that of a loving mother. There are all these metaphors in the book of Hosea. A spouse, a father, 
a mother. Grace that is unconditioned, that is demonstrated, that embraces. But grace that God longed would lead to response. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the love I owe. The problem in Hosea is that Israel is not giving back to God the love that they owe. And if we're honest, we who have been the recipients of the grace and the mercy of God sometimes sense that we have not given back to God the love that we owe. One word that is used in this chapter several times is the word turning or returning. The problem is that Israel is returning to Egypt. And one time, and on one occasion, they will return even to Assyria, who will cause judgment to come upon them. But here, God is offering them another opportunity. But the reason that God is offering them another opportunity is not because Israel is returning to God. It's not that Israel returns to God and thus God returns to them. No. The image here is of a God who goes out of himself for the sake of Israel. And of course, in the New Testament, the picture that we are most familiar with here is of a God who is a father who waits for the prodigal to return. And as soon as he sees the prodigal, he doesn't wait for the prodigal to, to, to say his piece of repentance. He goes and he embraces him, given, brings him in, and throws a party and kills the fatted calf. It's even more remarkable than that here in this passage. God is even willing to break his own law in order to demonstrate grace. What do I mean by that? Well, see, in the book of Deuteronomy, a rebellious son should have been stoned to death. Hard to imagine. But God will not do that with Israel. God breaks his own Torah in order to demonstrate his grace. As, H, as, as Bibi, the scholar I quoted earlier, puts it, the rebel against the law is not now Israel. The rebel is God. God is rebelling. God is recoiling within herself because she cannot exercise judgment. Listen to what he says. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboam? Incidences in the, in the Hebrew scripture of judgment. No, says God, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. This is the God that Hosea is trying to speak about to the people of Israel. And Hosea tries to, to pile up one metaphor over another. And so many of them that they all, almost confuse and overwhelm us. But this is a, a rare glimpse in this passage of the inner turmoil of God in his grace and mercy and love. No, the Hebrew Bible is not just, although it is, about difficult passages that seem to think that God is angry and vengeful and resentful. But this passage gives a different picture. There are different colors that are used in this passage. There are colors not of darkness, but of light. It's a multicolored grace and mercy of God that we find ourselves finding here. Of the grace and the mercy and the love of God who adopts, who adopts Israel into the family. 
I was reading this week the story of Miroslav Volf. He was raised as a pastor's family in Croatia. He now teaches theology at Yale Divinity School. He and his wife adopted two children. And he admits that when they adopted the children, that even though he was deeply, profoundly grateful for the gift of a son, he still had a lingering negative view of a mother who would give up her baby for any reason. But Volf tells a story of how they took their adopted son to visit his birth mother and her 10-year-old daughter, the baby sister. He writes of that encounter. He says, the first thing I saw was a tear, a huge, unforgettable tear in the brown eyes of a 10-year-old girl. And then I saw the tears of a mother. And in all the tears, just enough joy was mixed with pain to underscore the pain severity. Their joy at seeing him, their brother and son, but the immense and intense pain that it was the first time they had seen him since he was two days old when they kissed him goodbye. During that meeting, Volv found his attitude towards the child's mother was changed profoundly. She handed him a letter she had written and asked him to read it to the boy later on. I did it for you, she wrote to her child. Someday you will understand. Wolf reflected. She loved him for his own sake and would have rather suffered his absence if he flourished than to enjoy his presence if he languished. Now it was my turn to cry over the beauty and the tragedy of love. And he says, Isaiah, another prophet, of the same time of Isaiah, says, can a woman forget her nursing child? Though she may forget, I, the Lord, will not forget you. No human love metaphor is perfect, says Sally McFaig, but parental love is the best metaphor we have. Parent, mother, father, all of us have the womb as our first home. All of us are born of the bodies of our mothers. All of us are fed by our mothers. What better imagery, Sally says, could there be for expressing the most basic reality of our existence, that we live and move and have our being in such a God of grace and love. God is a loving parent. God, to return to the first image, is a loving spouse. In chapter 3, God says, go and love Gomer again. But by the time that Hosea goes to love Gomer again, she's in the slave market. She's up for auction. And he has to bid for her. In a very pedantic way, the scriptures say, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer of barley and a measure of wine. I think it was different than that. There's an auction going on and the first bid comes in from Hosea. 10 shekels of silver. Somebody says 11. Another says 12. 13 says Hosea. 14. 15 shekels of silver. 15 shekels of silver and a homer of barley. And then he stretches himself to the very limits of his finances and he says 15 shekels of silver a homer of barley and a measure of wine and the auctioneer says sold and the new testament says 
you are not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. O love that will not let us go, we rest our weary souls in thee. We give thee back the life we owe, and in thine ocean depths we discover exactly how much God's grace loves us. Will you pray with me? Lord, however we have come to you this morning, frustrated, angry, feeling neglected, feeling unworthy, fill our hearts with the knowledge of your love, that your love is wide, and your love is deep, and your love is high, and your love is long. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Our closing hymn is number 437, How Wide the Love of Christ. to understand that you are the owner and we are only the managers of what you entrust to us. Aid us in living for you each day and in generously sharing the talents and treasures you have given us. Help us to understand that little can become so much when we include you in our giving. We do so appreciate the love that will not let us go. 
extend and multiply the reach of our offerings this day. May they be a great blessing to many. Amen.
only that it's, um, if you were involved at all with the Alabama Symphony uh, Chorus or the orchestra this week, they did a big Copeland piece, so this is also wonderful music of Erin Copeland uh, that she is singing, as well as Brahms uh, and the Boys Choir, and there's some really lovely arrangements of some uh, good old favorites that you will uh, recognize from the boys. Mm -hmm. 